2 Timothy 3. I want to say good to see Sister Michelle here today. Good to see you, girl. Some of you don't know, she had a battle this week in the hospital. Visited the hospital, but um, came on home. Thank you, Lord. The devil will attack. You got to react, respond with the word of God, the power of God. Amen. And don't let him take you out. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Amen. All right, 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. Hallelujah. You got it? Okay, let's read all that together. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5. Ready? Read. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people. I'd like us to read verse 5 again emphatically. Ready? Read. Having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people. Do what? Do what? Turn away, turn away. Today we're talking on the subject, don't deny the power. Don't deny the power. Father God, thank you today for giving us your precious word. I pray that every ear, every eye, every heart is open to, to hear and to see and to understand the revelation of the word of God. I pray that you give me holy boldness to preach your word. I thank you that God, my competency does not come from me, it comes from you, Father. So I'm confident in what you do in me, and I ask that God, you speak through me, speak through these lips of clay, and allow your people to receive the, Lord, the, the, the word of God that will change our very lives. I pray that God, you speak to us from heaven above and confirm your word with signs following we pray in Jesus' mighty name. So be it. Amen and amen. All right, take your seats today. Hallelujah. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Don't deny the power. The Bible says that there are people who will have a form of godliness but denying its power, denying its power. And then he admonishes us in verse 5. He says, from such people turn away. So obviously if he wants us to turn away from such people, he doesn't want us to deny the power. Don't do what they're doing. Not only should we not do it, but don't, don't uh, follow them. He says from such people turn away. So if people in the world, you know Romans chapter 1 talks about people in the world get into kind of all kind of sin, Right? Some serious, serious, abominable sin the Bible talks about in Romans chapter 1. Y'all ever read Romans chapter 1? Three of y'all? Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Uh, but it talks about some abominable sins. And it says, it talks about people at the end. He says, not only those who uh, do such things, but those who you kind of like support. You like those things. And so we ought not do those things, nor should we support those things. Hallelujah. We shouldn't support same-sex marriage. Hallelujah. Nor vote for anybody who does. I'll say that. 
Because we got a governor's race coming up. And you better know your vote is your seed. Pastor, you can't say that. Yes, I can. I'll pay taxes. I don't care. I don't care. I'll pay taxes. I go fishing, pay taxes. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we don't, we don't do those things, nor do we support those who do. That's what Romans 1 talks about. So over here in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, he says, he says, there are those who deny the power of godliness, he says, and from such people turn away. So not only should we turn away from them, don't be around them, don't support them, but also make sure we don't do it ourselves. So I'm talking about don't deny the power. Amen? Let's look at Matthew uh, 4, please. Matthew 4, verse 23 and 24. Matthew 4, 23 and 24. When you get there, say amen. It's the first book of the New Testament. Matthew 4. Hallelujah. says, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching what? Preaching what? He wasn't preaching social justice. He wasn't preaching Democrat or Republican. He was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Okay? He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And notice what else? And healing all kinds of? And? All kinds of disease among the people. Verse 24, please. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him what? All sick people people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were what? Epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. So what is he preaching again? Okay, he's preaching the kingdom of God, and then I want you to see from what we saw in verse 23 and 24, what followed the preaching of the kingdom of God? Healing. Deliverance, miracles, signs, wonders. We can sum it all up by saying power. We saw that when he preached the kingdom of God, power showed up. Because power always accompanies the gospel of the kingdom. Can you say the gospel of the kingdom? Hallelujah. Now people are all confused about what we're going to preach the gospel of grace and we're going to preach the gospel of faith. We're going to preach the gospel over this and that. Hey, Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. Hello, somebody. Don't don't get caught up in all, well, are we preaching grace? Are we preaching faith? Are we preaching truth on the gospel? No, the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, the gospel of the kingdom includes grace. It includes faith. It includes prosperity. It includes all these things. But it's the gospel of the kingdom. And when we preach the gospel of the kingdom, you read that uh, here in Matthew, you also see when Jesus uh, finished his ministry uh, in Acts chapter 1, he spent 40 days teaching the, the disciples things pertaining to the kingdom of God. You read the 28th chapter of, of Acts, and you see where Apostle Paul, he was there uh, as a prisoner living in a rented house, right? And that's, that's a prison for you where he's got to rent his own house, got people coming and going, just free, you know, that's, that's more like house arrest. I don't know what that is. And yet the Bible says he was teaching all those who came about the kingdom of God, preaching the gospel. So that's what we're called to preach because that followed or was followed by power. Can you see that? Okay, now, 
Look at this word here. It says they were preaching. He went about preaching. Go back to verse 23, please. 23 says uh, he, he was preaching in the synagogue, tw- verse 23. He was teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. Can you say the gospel? The gospel. Now that word gospel, I want to look at it here because we, we've all heard of the word gospel, right? And if you ask, you ask any Christian, they're gonna, you say, hey, what's the gospel? They're going to say, oh, it's the good news. It's the good news. Well, wonderful. You know, you know part of it. You know, you know half of it. But that word gospel comes from the, the Greek word euangelion, euangelion, which means a reward for good tidings. Good tidings. If you look it up in the, in the concordance, the first meaning it gives is a reward for good tidings. Then it goes on to say good tidings. So we say, what is the gospel? Good news? Yeah, it's good news. But the primary meaning of it is reward for good news or the good tidings. So in other words, so the gospel isn't just words. The gospel isn't just a message. The gospel has always something attached to it. That when you hear the real gospel, something is in it. Glory to God. And what the devil has done, he's gotten the church used to and accustomed to empty gospel. Words only. But the gospel of the kingdom always has something in it. You ought, you ought never walk out of this church. I know I'm preaching the gospel of the kingdom every time I get up here. You ought never walk out of here empty. If you were out here empty, you had your mouth blocked. Your ears stopped up. Your heart closed. Your eyes you have shut. That's what Jesus said. Because when you preach the gospel, something happens. So you ought to be right now expecting the day as pastor is preaching to you, something's going to happen. Something's hitting me. Something's going to hit me. Something's going to hit my life. Something's going to change in my life today while I'm sitting right here. I'm going to get an answer. I'm going to get a wisdom. I'm going to get a miracle. I'm going to get a breakthrough. I'm going to get a turnaround. I'm gonna, something's going to happen to me right now. Because while you're hearing the gospel, the power of God is going out. That's why it's so important you, that you get around people, you get around in a place where the gospel of the kingdom is being preached. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? You got to be in a place where the gospel of the kingdom is being preached. You can go to any church you want to. You can watch any, anybody you want to anywhere. But that doesn't mean just because somebody opens a Bible, they're preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Y'all got this here. But when you hear the gospel of the kingdom, I guarantee, I double dog guarantee you something's happening in your, in your life while I'm speaking. So it means the reward of, of the good news, the reward of good tidings. So that means there are rewards tied to the gospel of the kingdom. There's salvation are tied to it. There, there's healing tied to it. There's deliverance tied to it. There's prosperity tied to it. We just saw, you put up Mark, uh, Matthew 4, 23 and 24 again. You saw as he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom, what happens? People come with all kinds of sicknesses and diseases, and he healed them. People came with demons, and he delivered them. Then go look at verse 24. The people with ep- epilepsy, paralyzed, tormented by devils, by diseases, and demons, and so forth. They got healed. 
Why? He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. You should never come here without expecting to receive something from God. Hallelujah. Now, I know I try to make it my aim to be a, a good teacher, and I try to teach you the word of God. But, I'm, it, I mean, it ought to be more than just, this isn't like you going to Lakewood and sitting there and, you know, taking your, getting your little lesson. This ain't that. This is about you allowing, allowing the Holy Ghost to speak through the word of God. And the power that is inherent in the word to hit your life. Can you say amen? amen? All right, now, so the gospel has some, I'm not going to finish today, obviously. So I might as well take my time. So the gospel has some rewards to it. So let's look at Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Luke 4, verse 18. Hallelujah. And let's see what it says here in Luke 4, 18. Thank you, Lord. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do what? Preach the what? Preach the rewards of the good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty. That word proclaim means to preach. Liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. So he's preaching recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed or bruised in the King James, I think it says. But look, it says here, to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, what gospel is he preaching again? The gospel of what? Of the what? Everybody listen to everybody here. The gospel of what? So he, does, he never changes that. So when he preaches the gospel of the kingdom, he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom to the poor. And so when he preaches the gospel, the gospel has uh, its rewards or power attached to it. So when he preached the, the rewards of the good news to the poor, he's not preaching to them about salvation. He's not preaching to the poor about heaven. One day, you just hang on. You might have butter beans now. But one day when you get to glory, you're going to have a feast spread for you in heaven. That's not what he's preaching. Because if you look, look at what he says, he keeps going. He healed the brokenhearted. He gave liberty to the captives. He, the blind recovered their sight. Those who are oppressed, they receive liberty. So if he's preaching to the poor, the intent for them is not to stay poor and just deal with it. The intent was if you hear this gospel, there's enough power in this gospel to bring you out of poverty. It's in the gospel. And thank you, Holy Ghost. And what we got to do is make sure, see, because the devil, the devil even tries to be a little cunning. Uh, he, he's very cunning with the church. Is he gets the church to um, to become very proficient in outreach where we give things to people. I'll come on this side. I saw some. I, I like this side. Well, we just give things. We just give you a handout. I, I, I saw yesterday. I was driving past one of the one of the places here. Right, I'm not gonna call a name. Where where they they got cars lined up. They were lined up all down 18th Avenue, all through the little park, a lot of the, of the Tangerine Plaza down there. And they got people just. I mean, just line up with their cars, pop the trunk open, pop the trunk open, and they're gonna drive through in their little with the trunk open. Thank you, and they're gonna keep on going. And they they're doing that because they're poor. But Jesus didn't say the anointing is on me to give out charity to the poor. 
They all not, I'm like, Pastor, you saying we shouldn't do good for the poor? No, the Bible tells us to do good for the poor. But the anointing is to preach the gospel. Because if I only give you out a bag of groceries, a box of goods, you're going to be back next week. And the following week. And the next 42 weeks. But if I preach the gospel and you have your heart over to receive the gospel, there's something in the gospel that'll hit your heart, something in the gospel that'll hit your spirit, something in the gospel that'll help renew your mind and say, you know what, hey, I don't need this no more. I'm not, no, wait a minute. Because the gospel has power in it. Can you say amen? amen. Thank you, Lord. All right, now, let's go to John chapter 3, please. John 3. We were in John 3 for a few weeks here. Because the kingdom that he's preaching about is spiritual. He's preaching about a spiritual kingdom. And because it's a spiritual kingdom, you have to be spiritual to see it. You have to be spiritual to understand it. Am I right about that? 1 Corinthians 2, verse uh, 14, you know the turn there. It says that the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit, neither can he discern them. Uh, can he know because they are spiritually discerned, right? They are spiritually discerned. So the things of the kingdom, the things of God, the things of the spirit must be uh, discerned spiritually. So in John 3, verse 3, Jesus is talking to a man named Nicodemus, right, who was a good religious man, very religious man, right? And he told him this in John 3, 3, he said, uh, I say unto you, surely, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, remember we talked about being born from above, he cannot see. Now, he didn't, he didn't deal with enter until verse 6. So he's not talking about getting into the kingdom. He's talking about seeing the kingdom. That word see literally means to, to discern, to perceive, to understand. So unless you're born again, you cannot understand, perceive the kingdom. Now, y'all know that, right? I preach that already to you. I'm just, I'm just kind of uh, pausing here because I'm looking at some of y'all faces like, I don't know that. Okay, I preached that for about four weeks straight. <laughs> like, where were y'all for four weeks? Now, he didn't say you couldn't see church. You can see church all day long. How many of y'all grew up in church? Okay, that's a lot of hands. Wow, that's amazing. That, that, well, that's, I mean, that's like 95% of y'all look, you grew up in church. That is amazing. That, that really is a blessing because today people don't, that, I'm telling you, you ought to be thanking God for your parents, your grandma, or uncle, somebody, whoever. Okay, let me ask this question. How many of y'all did not grow up in church? Okay, they, see, that's, that's what I'm talking about. See? Well, we thank God for your parents, too, because, you know, they got you here. So seeing church was nothing because we grew up in it. Matter of fact, most of the things we saw, or I shouldn't say most because I don't want to judge that. Many things we saw about church, if not most, Christopher, we didn't even like. I'll come on this side. 
Most of the things we saw about church, we did not like. And that's why many of us went all outside and did everything else. Because we weren't impressed. In fact, we were just turned off by church. And we hear people today talk about church hurt. That's right, because you are all you have seen is church. Why you don't go to church? I, I've been hurt in church. That's because all you saw was church. But if you can see the kingdom, you, you, you step into a different arena. And you see beyond uh, walls and usher boards and praise teams and choirs. <laughs> and we got to wear white on first Sunday and, you know, all the stuff that we had to do it for church. And we mastered church. Mississippi Day and teas. Then, then they got fancy did stay-at-home teas. How many ever heard of stay-at-home teas? This they got real fancy. We don't. We're not gonna gather and burn the air conditioner at the church. We're just gonna stay at home and have have a tea at home. Get your little tea bag. Just all we need is your donation. Donation. <laughs> Y'all never heard of stay-at-home teas? Oh my goodness, that became all a race. Stay-at-home teas. It's like virtual church. It was virtual teas. Yeah, just stay at home and do your tea. Zoom before Zoom. Right, right. Zoom ain't nothing new. We had that way back in the 90s. Long, long as your money came in, that's all we cared about. Right? See, that, that's church. But the kingdom has power. Okay, so John 3, 3, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? Okay, now go to Luke 17, 20 and 21. Luke 17, 20 and 21. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I love to hear those and see those pages turning on these Bibles here. I love it. I love it. Some of y'all got the thumb, thumb Bible. Amen. Praise the Lord. Luke 17, so he says, unless one is born again, he cannot what? See the kingdom of God. Now, let's look at Luke 17 and 20. This is also Jesus talking, right? So he says here in verse 20, now when he, Jesus, was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Now, wait a minute. He just told us unless one is born again, you can't see it. Because here he's saying it doesn't come by your natural sight. They're asking him, the Pharisees, the religious folk, are asking him, when are we going to see the kingdom of God come? And he says, it won't come with your natural observation. you got to be born again. He says, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God, what? Is within you. Is within you. Now, and one, one uh, understanding of that meaning is the kingdom of God is among you, which Jesus is saying, it's, it's, it's here. Remember, he started a ministry, Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, it says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, which means the kingdom of God is here. It's here right now. When he came, he brought the kingdom of God. 
And in fact, I shouldn't say that. He, he brought out the kingdom because the kingdom was always here. <laughs> he just brought it out to their attention. Okay? So he says the kingdom of God is within you. So the other meaning of that is that you being a believer, once you become a believer, the kingdom of God is not seen out there. It's the kingdom of God is on the inside of you. So you and I walking around with the kingdom of God on the inside of us, that's what we see. We see the kingdom on the inside of us. You got it? Can I keep going here? Okay, now let's add another scripture to that. Let's add a scripture. We looked at John 3, 3, right? You can't see the kingdom of God without being born again. Luke 17, 20 and 21, that the kingdom of God doesn't come by observation, but it's within you. Now let's add to this. You all ready for this? 1 Corinthians 4, 20. Let's add to this bouquet. In fact, we're going to marry these two verses here. Some of y'all been waiting to get dressed up to go to a wedding. This is a wedding today. We're about to see a marriage right now. We're about to, about to marry these two verses. We're going to have them kiss. Because it says in Luke 17, 21, the kingdom of God is where? Okay, he said in Luke 17, 21, the kingdom of God is where? Come on, y'all got to keep up with me. Luke 17, 21, the kingdom of God is where? Within you, within you, within you, within you. Say inside me. It's within me. The kingdom is within me. Now let's look at 1 Corinthians, please. 4 and verse 20. 4 and verse 20. You ready? You ready? Read it together. Ready? Go. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. So the kingdom of God is not in word, but it's what? So it's not word only. It's not just mere words. It is power. The kingdom is power. The kingdom is power. The kingdom is power. The kingdom is power. I'm waiting for somebody to catch me. The kingdom is power. The kingdom is power. And Jesus says that kingdom. Oh, somebody ought to shout one good time. I might just have to preach to you, Laquanda, just me and you. The kingdom is within you, and the kingdom is not in word. It's in power. So the power of the kingdom of God is in you. Now, I don't know if that just didn't impress half of y'all. I don't know. But it impressed me when I said, wait a minute. So the same power that followed Jesus in Mark in Matthew 4, 23 and 24, when he preached the gospel of the kingdom and people got healed, people got delivered, demons were cast out, epileptics were healed, paralyzed folk were healed, all these things happened, people were tormented, they were delivered. He said all that kingdom power is right now residing on the inside of you. Put your finger on yourself and say, that power is inside of me. Say it again, that power is inside me. Hallelujah. Say, I'm powerful. Powerful, yeah, full of power. Let me help you on this here, because somebody, well, I'm not really interested in miracles and signs and wonders yet. Okay, well, you'll grow into, it, into that. Let me help you with another part. Ephesians 3.20. Put Ephesians 3.20 on the screen. Let me, let, me, let me see if this excites you, if the miracles don't excite you. Put Ephesians 3.20 on the screen. Oh, God. Can you read? I said, can you read? Now to him who is able to do. 
Come on. Come on. Come on. How? To the what? The power. So the ability to have beyond your wildest dreams is contingent upon you understanding that there's a power working inside you, not what you have to give from out there, not from out there. It's what's inside you already. Y'all not getting this, period. People in the New Age movement, people in all kind of world, world religions are trying to discover what we already have. People in all kind of humanist cultures are trying to tap into what you and I already have. Power of positive thinking. It ain't the power of positive thinking. It's the power of the work of the, that's working on the inside of me. It doesn't do with no positive thinking. You can think positive all day long. You, you know you can think positively about the wrong thing? I'm going to come back on this side. You know you can think positively about the wrong thing? Has anybody ever done that? You've thought positively about the wrong thing? Oh, this is the right man for me. This is the right woman for me. You were thinking positively about the wrong thing because you found out. He was not the man. She was not the woman for you, but you were positive. You felt good about it. So <laughs> you can think positively about the wrong thing. So it's not about positive thinking. It's about there's a Holy Ghost kingdom power that is residing on the inside of you. And if you understand that, that's how he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think. And he said, I put the power already on the inside of you. Let me, let me, let me, let me, this is, this is, this is not my lesson, but let me, let me see if I can stretch you a little bit. Switch to the Amplified Classic for me. I like the Amplified Classic because this might help somebody who's a little more intelligent than I am get a little, you know, y'all like deeper words here, a little more meaning. Y'all, y'all deep and wonderful. Get Ephesians 3 verse 20 in the Amplified Classic. Now to him who by a consequence of the action of his power, see it starts with this now. By the action of his power. By the action of his power. So his power is working in you right now. Does not your Bible tell you in Philippians 2, verse 11 and 12, that God works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure? That God is working in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure? So that power isn't just residing. God's working something on the inside of you right now. Hallelujah. That's why he's got you in the right church, around the right people, getting the right word. Look at this here. He says, for the action of his power that is at work within you, within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond. That made me sound like the thing about Buzz Lightyear, to infinity and beyond. Any of us seen Toy Story? One, two, three, or four. To infinity and beyond. <laughs> oh my God. 
But God has said, I'm able to do infinitely, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, highest prayers, highest desires, highest thoughts, highest hopes, or highest dreams. That adjective, highest, carries over. You understand that? But it's all based on that power that's on the inside of you. Now watch. So what the devil does then to the church is he tries to get us to deny the power. That's what this whole lesson is about. Don't deny the power. Not only is that power available to make help you do signs, wonders, and miracles. My wife, I heard my wife saying that we were in the office today and, and uh, y'all talking about, you know, seeing signs, wonders, and miracles, God doing those things. But not only do we want to see them, we want God to do them through us. How many of y'all want to be used by God for signs, wonders, and miracles? Hallelujah. We shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. We shall cast out devils. See? So these things are not just for signs, wonders, and miracles, but they're also for us receiving beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. Y'all got this here. Tell your neighbor, don't deny the power. Okay, go to, back to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. So remember, we just married those two verses. That's what we did. Y'all, did y'all enjoy the wedding right there? Pretty soon they're going to have a baby. After they get married, they have a baby. The baby is a sign. It's a wonder. It's a miracle. It's you receiving your, your dream house, your dream car, your dream life, your dream that God has for you. God is not... God is not opposed to you having a, your life beyond your wildest dreams. He wants it. He just wants you to let him do it through the power that's on the inside of you. His power. He doesn't want you reaching outside and grabbing hold of the world stuff. See, that, that's, that's where folk misunderstand, you know, prosperity teaching. Is they think prosperity teaching is teaching people to be all vain and be all covetous. No, it's teaching people, hey, let God do this in your life. And don't reach outside of God for anything. That's true prosperity. Like Abraham, I've lifted my hand to God. I will let no man say you made Abraham rich. Mm, God did this. God blessed me. God raised me up. God turned my, my life around. Thank God for a good education, but my education didn't do it. Because there are a lot of highly educated folk that strung out on crack right now. There are a lot of highly educated folk with, with $100,000 in student loans and can't find a job. <laughs> well, hopefully Biden going to let go of my, all my loans go. 20,000. 20, he's maxed out at 20,000. 20,000. 20,000. If you got Pell Grant, 20,000. Praise the Lord. If you got 80 grand, 100 grand in student loan, you're like, oh, Lord. 20,000. Take it. Guess you're a little bit closer. Hallelujah. 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 So, so let's look back at 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 through 5. Again, this is Paul's um, prophetic statement about the times that we're living in. He says, but know this, in the last days, perilous or dangerous, precarious times will come. They're here. Somebody say, they're here. 
<laughs> you remember E.T.? No, that, was, that wasn't E.T. That was uh, Poltergeist. How many of you remember Poltergeist, the movie? Oh, my God. That's back in the days when I used to watch scary movies. I don't watch scary movies anymore. I'm smarter than that. I'm just scared moving and you scared to ride home in your own car by yourself. <laughs> Ooh, uh -uh. Hallelujah. Scariest thing I get to now has got to be on Pure Flicks. It's something like that. It's <laughs> Hallmark might have a scary movie. Oh, ooh, we scared Jane ain't going to come on for Christmas. <laughs> what are they going to do? <laughs> About as scary as I want to get today. <laughs> Hallelujah. So perilous times are coming, and they're here. That's what we got off. They're here. Okay, that's what I'm trying to think. How do we get all the way over there? For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Lovers of money simply means covetous, okay? Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. We're seeing all these things manifested. Unthankful and unholy. Okay, keep going. Unloving, unforgiving. I'm not going to deal with all these. Y'all, just read it. You'll know. Slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, Haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Okay, go back to verse 3. Go back to verse 3 for a second. I saw a word that I want to make sure I come back to. Slanderers. Don't let me forget that word, Deacon Roberts. Slanderers. Because this is down here somewhere, I think. It's going to come back up in my spirit. Okay, so lovers of God, back down in verse 4 at the end. Uh, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God or more than lovers of God. Then he says, verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. So when he says having a form of godliness, that tells us he's not talking about the world. Because the world doesn't have a form of godliness. People who are heathens and show enough heathens, they're heathens and they're proud of it. They don't want nothing to do with your Jesus. They're not pretending to be saved. Right? Heathens don't backslide on Sundays. Y'all missed that. You'll, you'll catch it by next Tuesday. Heathens don't backslide on Sundays. Okay? <laughs> That's funny. So, <laughs> so um, these people then are are religious people. They're, they're, these are really church folk. He's talking, he's warning people about the church. And he says, and from such people, turn away. So he says, turn away, run away, get away from people who are like this. Like what? They all, everything from verse 1 to verse 4, he says they have all these traits but he's summarizing it by saying they have a form of godliness, but denying its power. 
What's the implication? First of all, there is power in godliness. Oh, boy. I didn't see I didn't deal with this last Sunday. There's first, first, there's power in godliness. We know this godliness. We can, we, can, we can extrapolate from it. It means godlikeness, to be like God. Are we like God? I said, are we like God? Yes, we're made in his image and his likeness, so we are like God. So if we are like God, there's a power in that godliness. But we can also take from that the, the word, the common use of the word godliness is to, is to behave like God, to have godly behavior, like holiness, godliness, to behave like God. Not just made like God, but to actually behave like God. So here's the implication. So wherever there is purity, there will be power. I better stay over here. Wherever, because I heard responding here and anything over there. Wherever there's purity, there's going to be power. So one way to make sure, um, give me Acts 1038 Amplified Classic. Acts 1038 Amplified Classic. I believe that's the one. Because one way we maintain the channel for power to flow is our lifestyle. I need about 17 more amens on that. Look at Acts 1038 Amplified Classic. We know it. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, but look what it says how God anointed and consecrated. So, God consecrated Jesus of Nazareth it means to set him apart. He set him apart. So, you and I are called then to live consecrated lives, which means they're set apart. So, I know I was just joking with you about you know the only scary movie I'm gonna see is on Pure Flix because I don't want, I don't want to see what's on Netflix. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. I don't want Netflix. Give me pure flicks. Because Netflix got some stuff on there that's going to net some trouble in my soul, vex my soul. I need pure flicks. I don't want Netflix. Oh, you treading on some rough water, Pastor. I'm going to say it again because I love you. I don't need Netflix. I need pure flicks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Y'all quiet in this Presbyterian church today. Why? It's a matter of consecration. It's not necessarily a matter of sin. You need to hear what I'm saying. Not necessarily a matter of sin. It's a matter of consecration. Paul said that all things are lawful. But not all things are expedient. Expedient means beneficial or helpful. So even though it's lawful, doesn't mean it's good for me. It's going to benefit me. So although if I do it, I ain't going to hell for it. But it will affect the purity of my mind, my spirit, my heart, my soul, such that I will create blockage for the power. You said stay right there? I better stay right there just another minute because Jaquetta asked me to stay right there. So I got to stay right here another minute because I'm gonna, Jaquetta says stay right there. So I'm, gonna stay, I'm staying right here. See, I, I, I can't afford to have blockage. You see, because it's not just about me getting my highest hopes, dreams, desires, thoughts, and prayers. It's about when I run into that girl and she's demon-possessed. 
do I have a flow of that power, a flow of that anointing that will get her delivered? When I run that person and they're, they're bound in some sickness or some disease, when I lay hands on them, will, there be, will virtue be released? Because what's in me is what will be released. And I, don't want, I don't want Netflix released. I, want, uh, I, don't, I don't want contaminants released. I want to be pure and consecrated so it ain't about me. Tell your neighbor it ain't about you. I know you can, but should you? I know you can, but should you? Now, I know there may be times when you just, you know, I'm just right here on vacation. I'm vegging out. And you're going to veg out and you're going to watch and do whatever, 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 whatever. But you got to, even on vacation, ask. Ask yourself. I might be on vacation from church, but am I on vacation from the kingdom? Because the kingdom doesn't have vacation. See, and if you see the kingdom and understand you are a carrier of the power, then you always are instantly ready. I think uh, Deacon Gershom, help me out. Um, hope I, I'm not over-speaking. You were at one time, was it a force recon? Okay. As a force recon, that's a special unit in the Marine Corps. As a, as a force recon, um, that's, not, that's not like the Marine Corps reserves. Are there Marine Corps reserves? Okay. So Marine Corps reserves, they know, all right, they're going to two weeks or one week in a month, so on and so forth. Um, but if we call you as a reserve, you have, to, you have how long before you have to report if you were called up as a reservist within 24 hours? As a force recon, how, how long do you have? Right. That's the point I'm getting to. Because as a, as in a special forces unit, you have to be ready at all times. At the drop of a dime, when they call you, hey, we got, we got a mission, boom. It don't matter if you had dinner plan with your wife. I'm going to come over here. It doesn't matter if you had dinner plan with your wife. When your commanding officer calls you or put in whatever, however they reach you, I don't know to do a bat signal across the state, whatever, what, whatever they do, you drop everything. That's why, you know, it's already just a few good men in the Marine Corps. By the time you get down to the force recon, <laughs> many are called, but only a few are chosen. Because only a few will make themselves available at any time. So you can, but should you? That's one point I'm making to you about consecration. Now, let me get back where uh, we, we fell off track somewhere around here. Uh, let's see. Were we still on 2 Timothy 3, verse 5? Oh, Lord. Okay, so 2 Timothy 3, verse 5. Um... Godliness, that's what we were, thank you. Godliness, everybody say godliness. So they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Okay, so I talked to you about how 
people are denying the supernatural power of God and embracing superficial Christianity. Okay? Superficial. Remember I gave you that definition of superficial? It means concern only with obvious or apparent, presenting only an appearance without substance or significance. I'm speeding through this because I already gave it to you before. But I want you to, if you got to take a picture of it, whatever you got to do, appearing to be true or real only until examined more closely. So superficial looks like the real deal. It's like faux leather. I was going there next. But people are like, this, is, this purse is faux leather. They're like, oh, that's, that's that special leather. <laughs> yes, you're right. It is special. Very special. Don't get it wet. Don't leave it in the, cow, in the, in the sun. Because <laughs> that faux leather won't last for long. Oh, this is that special vegan leather. Yes. Uh-huh. Vegan means no animals were sacrificed for that leather. Which means it's not actually leather at all. It's plastic. So stop giving your real money for fake leather. Okay, just believe God for real leather, whatever you want. Amen. Anyway, so what he's saying is there are people walking around in church with full godliness. Vegan godliness. No sacrifice made. Somebody tweet that. No vegan godliness. There's no real sacrifice that's been made. Cost nothing. That's why you have those indicators we read in verse 1 through 4. Covetousness, unthankful, unholy, I mean disobedient parents, that people are just fleshly. But notice it says they have a form. So people are disobedient parents and still come to church like, oh, I'm good. Oh, praise the Lord. Cussing the parents out. And then they got a form of godliness. Unthankful and still. Okay. But we need the real. Go to uh, Luke 13. Man, I'm out of time. I'm out of time. I'm going to get through at least the first before I get to my crease in my paper. So what's happened here in, in, in what we saw in, in uh, 2 Timothy 3 verse 5 is they were, they had a form but no power. Because a form is religion but religion has no power. That, listen to me, y'all listen to me. Listen, 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 listen. That's why you shouldn't ever engage in an argument with someone who they're Buddhist or they're Hindu or they're, um, you know, um, black Hebrew Israelite <laughs> or Jehovah's Witness or whatever people or denominations or whatever faiths they're in, 
Because they're in religion. And religion has no power. And because it has no power, it has no teeth. It has no substance. Remember, remember that definition of superficial? It, it uh, presenting only an appearance without substance or significance. So people who are Muslim, they have this appearance. They pray. How many times a day they pray? Seven times, something like that? Seven times a day? They just, five times a day? Okay. They're going to they gonna stop, you know. You can't get anything out of 7-Eleven for a certain amount of time. You got to wait. <laughs> you go to the corner store. Cousin, cousin. No, no, no. We cousin. Cousin, I got to pray. I got to pray. Pray, cousin. Pray, cousin. Well, some of them are not practicing, but... There are some who, you know, schools have to accommodate for that. My wife sent me an article the other day. This, what's the school system out there? Minneapolis in, in Minnesota? They're, they're now going to allow for uh, what? smudging. They've sanctioned smudging now in, in, the, in their school system. Sage, you know, burning sage, all that kind of stuff to cleanse the atmosphere. They made because they said, well, we made a way, you know, we, we've sanctioned for Muslims to do what they do. We've sanctioned for everybody to do it. Now, the Christians aren't sanctioned yet. Christians can't have prayer. But everybody else, we said, oh, yeah, they can do the yoga. They can do all that. Now they can do smudging. So they can, they can have people come through St. Paul Public Schools. They can come through now to public, the schools, and they're going to light the sage. Unanimous vote. That's right. Oh, we're going oh, to cleanse the atmosphere. Now, what they don't know, they're inviting demons into the schools. They're inviting demons into the classrooms. Ooh. Anyway, so don't argue with folk like that because it's an appearance of power. It's an appearance. It's not the real thing. But you and I have the real power, so we don't have to argue. I always says, just like, just like Elijah did, 18th chapter of 1 Kings on Mount Carmel, tell you what, we ain't got to argue. Let's just have a showdown. You call your God, and I'm going to call my God. And whichever God answers by fire, let him be God. We ain't got to argue about this. You dealing with a Muslim, somebody, you know, in fact, um, you de- you dealing with a Muslim, and they want to argue about, you know, my God is real, the Allah is real, and no, we say Jehovah's real, and they say no, Allah's real. We say, okay, this is what we do. See that, see that guy over there with that back brace? You go lay hands on him and call on Allah. Oh, y'all ain't bold enough in here. You go, you go lay hands on that man with that back brace and tell me what happens. And when you finish, then I'm going to go. We'll see which God answers. And the deal is, if your God answers, I will not argue with you. But if my God answers, you got to serve my God. See, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm believing it's coming down to that right now in this time. It's because we have the power in us. Okay, let's go one last place here. Let's go one last place. Okay. Because I'm out of time. Luke 13. Well, actually, I'm going to go three verses, three places, but they're all in the book of Luke. 
I'm going to go right through these. Religion has no power. Luke 13, verse 10 through 14. We read this story last week. Let's look at it again. Now, he was teaching in one of, their, one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity or sickness. How long? 18 years since it was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. She couldn't get up. Verse 12. But when Jesus saw her, he did what? Called her. Now, what was he doing back in verse 10? He was teaching. What he teaching? What, what y'all think he teaching? The gospel of the kingdom. So verse 12, he saw her, he called to her to him, called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. Now she's been hearing him teach. She's hearing the rewards of the good news. So, and he laid his hands on her and immediately. And what? Immediately she was made straight and glorified. God. So she got a miracle because he's preaching the kingdom. She hears it and her faith is there. What she couldn't do all, all on her own for 18 years happened instantly when Jesus Christ released that power. Got it? Verse 14 says, and the ruler of the synagogues answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the uh, crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be deep and wonderful because that's, you know, that's how he sounds. Like there are six, he's a, he's a Pharisee, he's a, he's a priest. Oh, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. Because he's defending the Sabbath day. He's defending the Sabbath day. He's defending the law. But denying the power. Religion will defend their tradition. Religion will defend all their customs and deny the power of God. Now let me ask you a question. This woman is in that synagogue, been in that synagogue. And she's been bought over 18 years. We don't know how old she is, but she's been dealing with this condition for 18 years. Now, I'm thinking this has to be a shock to her to hear that. I'm sure because by now she's sitting up straight. She said, man, she, man of God, are you saying I could have got healed last Tuesday? I don't know I could have got healed last month, Reverend. I'm being facetious, you know, but this is how, this is how she's thinking. She's thinking. You mean I could have been healed? I had to wait for this man to show up to get healed? You mean you could have healed me all these 18 years? And you know, he starts spitting, you know, stumbling over his, uh, uh, um, well, uh, you, you know, uh, 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 what? No. You just know that that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. No, it ain't wrong. I just got healed. And it wasn't by all this religion. Religion had me bound 18 years with no help, no hope, just cope with it. Y'all just, just had me in your, in your little support group. I mean, your little support group, 18 years. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's Sister Minnie. Give Sister Minnie that special seat. We, we built a special seat for you, Sister Minnie, because so, you bowed over. So your seat, we, it's a recliner, so you, you lean, just sit in the seat, and we're going to lean the seat back so you can see. 
I want you to see what, what religion does. Religion will make accommodations for your sickness. Religion will make accommodations for your addiction. It'll make accommodations for your, your little predicament. Oh, well. This the group, this the group, we battle depression. We meet on Thursdays. We battle depression. We meet the Thursday night depression group. That's all religion will do. But when the kingdom gospel is preached with the power, all of a sudden, Oh, look at that. Look at that. Well, praise God. Glory to God. Now imagine if she was like some of y'all when the, when the priest said, you could have come in today. He said, ah, oh, shut up, Reverend. No, I've been healed. No, she didn't say that. She didn't say shut up. She glorified God. Remember that man in the ninth chapter of John when, when he was, he was uh, blind from birth and Jesus came along and he healed him? You know, who was, who was who sinned, you or your parents, that this man was born blind? Jesus said, either one, but this is for the glory of God. And so he was, he was healed and all of a sudden Jesus is gone, gone away for a little minute and the people come, they say, hey, this man who healed you, was he a preacher, was he a man of God, was he a sinner? And he was like, look, I don't know whether this man was a sinner or not. All I know is I was blind. Now I see. So I don't know nothing about what Thursday we're supposed to show up, what Sunday we do this, and do we stand up and sit down, and do we sing, sing stanza number one, two, four, or whatever, hymn numbers 425, short measure. I don't know nothing about all that. All I know is I was blind, and now I see. I was sick, and now I'm healed. I was poor, and now I'm rich. I was a, sin I was a sinner, and now I'm saved. All I know is my life has turned around because I ran into somebody who understood the power of the living God. All right, let me close here. Let me close here. Jesus called him in that verse a hypocrite. Hypocrite. Remember I told you the hypocrite is an actor, a stage player, a pretender, an actor under an assumed character, an actor, a stage player, a pretender, an actor under an assumed character. Go to Luke 6, 6 through 11. I'm going to read this real quick. Luke 6, 6 through 11. Then from there I'm going to Luke 20 and I'm, I'm done. Luke 6, 6 through 11. Now it happened on another Sabbath. Everybody say another Sabbath. Another Sabbath. Say it again, another Sabbath. Another Sabbath. <laughs> also that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. Keep going. So the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely. Whether he would heal on the Sabbath, why? That they might find. Now, I'm going to come back to that verse right there. Verse 8. Verse 8. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. Verse 9. Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy? Verse 10. And when he had looked around at them, at them all, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. So Jesus Christ didn't care if it was Sabbath or Domingo or Lunes or Martes or Miraculous. He didn't care. He said, I'm healing on this day. This is your day of salvation. This is your day of deliverance. 
You didn't care about it being no sabado. I don't know I knew Spanish, did you? Verse 11. But they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. What they might do to him. They want to do something to him now. Boy, they're going to do something to him. But remember how it started back in, in uh, verse 7, I think it was? Verse 7. They watched him closely that they might find an accusation against him. And at the end, they're going to do something to him. Here's what religion does. Religious watches the, you fanatics. Any fanatics in here for Jesus? Religion watches all you fanatics to see what, you, what you're doing to find an accusation against you. Your family is watching you to accuse you. Your loved ones who's still stuck in that old church and you moved on, they watching you to see what you're doing. Because you escaped. And the slaves always look at the free ones like, what you doing out there? What you doing? What you doing out there? You better get on back in here. Mass ain't gonna let you live like that. You shouldn't have run like that. Master going to get you. But that's how they act. The devil going to get you. Talking about you healed. The devil going to get you. Talking about you rich. The devil going to get you. Talking about you a child of God. The devil going to get you. Talking about you righteous. The devil going to get you out there. You better get back on in here. Who you think you is. Got a lot of nerves. You know, our whole family was raised in this church. Our whole family grew up on this old-time religion. How you think you're a child of God? Now, walking in power, walking in victory, walking in knowing, you better get back on in here. They watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find an accusation against him. Now, watch. That word accusation, I found it very interesting. That word accusation is the Greek word categoria. Categoria. Where we get the word category from. It's an accusation, a charge, a complaint, a category, a criminal charge. So they watched him to put him in a category. And that's what people are doing to you and me because we have the, the audacity to believe God. They're trying to put us in a category. Oh, y'all in a cult. Oh, y'all are... That's what they said. That's what all your family said. You in a cult. Over there with that man, you in a cult. Y'all believe in all that healing, all that casting out devils, all that laying on hands, all that money prosperity. You in a cult. You've been brainwashed. They're categorizing. That's the accusation is they're categorizing you. You one of them. You in heresy. Now watch. In verse 11, he goes, it goes on to say, I believe it's verse 11. It said, they, 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 now they discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. So when they get so mad, they want to do something to you. Now most of us aren't at the level where, like some of, our, our, some of the more generals in the faith are at the level where people create whole YouTube channels. To accuse people like you. 
They create whole, now these YouTube channels are all for money. They're all trying to build subscribers and get paid. They're, they're getting rich off of accusing you of being one of them people who believe in that healing. And they do all these things. They talk all about us. Got whole channels, write whole books about it. I've even seen what people have whole conferences about. Oh, these people, they, they, they loony. They, they're speaking in tongues. They loony. How many of y'all are tongue talkers in here? Do you know you've been categorized? You've been categorized. All because you stepped out of religion. That's all you did. I believe God can heal on Thursday or Tuesday or Saturday or Sunday. It doesn't matter to me. All watch this, watch this. All because I believe God can speak through a man and a woman just as easily as he can speak through anybody else. Y'all got, got those women preachers in y'all church. Y'all not saying that. I had, I had a guy call me one time, call, my, call here to the church, and Pauline put the call through. And I answered the phone. Somehow it came to me. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, I heard about y'all's church and everything I saw. Done. He started asking questions. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, hey, do y'all have any women preachers? I said, I said, yes, sir. He said, okay, bye. <laughs> you mean you liked everything about our church except women preaching? Now you have no problem with a donkey talking. No problem with Deborah the prophetess, Phoebe the deaconess, Lydia who was the, the prayer warrior and leader of the church at Philippi. but people will categorize you because you left religion. Because you believe people can be healed and be delivered and be set free. And then have a, enough crazy on the inside of you believe you can do it. Because see, 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 watch this, watch this. They'll, they'll almost ride with you, Elder Warren, if you say Jesus can heal you. Oh, yeah, we know Jesus can, Jesus can heal. But if you say, can I lay my hands on you? I've, I've experienced this from Christians who they tell me, I believe Jesus can heal. I say, well, can I pray for you? Oh, no, no, God, God's got it. I'm right here. Oh, but you ain't God. I know I ain't God, but he's in me. I mean, and they literally, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating, literally refuse to, to have me pray for them because they say, oh, no, no, I, I, God's got it. I'm just going to trust God. <laughs> Listen, if you were stranded on a desert island and a boat came alongside, <laughs> Oh, I'm believing God. I'm believing God. You're not going to get on that boat? No, I'm waiting on this. I'm believing God. He's got something else for me. <laughs> get your butt on the boat. 
God has answered your prayer. Okay, last thing, last thing. Okay, I told you Luke, one, one last one. Luke 20, something like that, right? Luke 20. Just showing you how they work. And we'll pick this up Wednesday night, Luke 20. Next Sunday is a big day, soul winning Sunday. Soul winning Sunday. Luke 20. These people are always watching Jesus, Joe. They always trying to find something. They, you know they always watching you. Some folk, some folk, they don't, they don't hit you up on social media, but they, they own your social media. They, they, they're voyeuring. <laughs> Peeping Tom's. So they watched him. Watch this. Yeah, let's read it together. Ready, go. So they watched him and sent spies. What? Ho, 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 ho. If that didn't say it, I don't know what will. They watched him and sent spies. And the Bible just says it right out, Matt. Pretended to be righteous. So we know there are people today who pretend to be righteous. And says that they might seize on his words in order to deliver him to the government. There are people who have This guy, Bob Tilton. Some of y'all know Bob Tilton. Also, Derber's father in the ministry. His whole ministry was attacked and crushed because of one man who didn't like what he was doing. People were getting healed and delivered through TV. I mean, people were getting healed. Miracles were happening left and right through his ministry. Just, I mean, just, just crazy miracles. Just crazy miracles were happening. And he, his, his ministry became the largest ministry, TV ministry on this planet. The largest. I've watched more videos where uh, him with Brother Copeland and Oral Roberts and all these guys. I mean, just the largest ministry on this planet. You know, he's been here in this church for a long time. And one guy, this self-righteous preacher who in reality was just jealous of his ministry. Put on all these stories to the media, to the government. Made up all these things about him. Now, he, he only got the information because he came into these meetings and pretended to be righteous. Oh, yeah. In there, and he got a little recorder, got something trying to catch him. That's why people do, you know, they, they've come after Benny Hinn like that. You know, they come in, they all pretending they're all again. We used to do all this. You know what I'm talking about? I don't need to get into all that. So, you don't let the devil send spies up in here. I'm not accusing anybody of espionage in here. <laughs> but the devil will send spies. He'll spy on you on Facebook. Yes. 
Just to seize on your words, to try to try to catch you on something so they can categorize you. They can accuse you and turn you over to somebody. They can figure out what to do to you. They just want to do something to you. You know why? Because they deny the power. But they need it. Desperately need it, Pauline. Desperately need the power. And they 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 resent the fact in reality that you have enough faith to believe for the supernatural. That's really the problem, Eduardo. They just, they just, I don't know where you get that from. It's faith. Faith in God. And God's got power to turn everything around, every situation, every condition, every circumstance around. And all he needs is for you and me is to never deny that power. Now, I'll get into that Wednesday night because I'm way over time. Stand to your feet. Um, more on this, this power that you and I are called to walk into. Slanderous. Thank you, Deke. That's what I just talked about. Thank you. That's what I was talking about. That's what slanderers do. That was one of the things in, I think that was verse 3, right? 2 Timothy 3, verse 3, about slanderers in the last days. You just, just, just check out YouTube if you get a chance. And look, you can find all the slandering channels. That the, these channels, these people of God, these Christians, pastors, all their channel is about is slandering other pastors. They're not preaching the gospel. They're not evangelizing. They're not winning souls. They're not telling you how to, God will turn your life around. All they're doing is slandering other pastors, other ministers, other people, slandering this denomination, slandering that church, slandering that worship team, slandering. I mean, this slander, 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 slander. Those ones who tell you, come on the Sabbath day and you can be healed. But no power themselves. Since they have no power, their attraction is slander. Did you catch what I said? Since they have no power, their attraction is slander because there are people who get caught up in, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I figured something was wrong with that. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That soul candy. Oh, yeah. They get all caught up in slandering so-and-so and this one and that one. They ain't no good. And, yeah, I figured that because they got a jet. And I figured that they got a big old house. They shouldn't, they shouldn't have none of that. Just taking all, using up all God's money for this and that. They're slandering. I remember back in the day growing up uh, as, a, as a kid, they used, to, boy, they used to slander a pastor, uh, you know, TV preachers that they had on a, a Hugo Boss suit. Man of God had a Hugo Boss suit. He just had to be evil. Heretic. $1,000 suit. What kind of man of God he had a $1,000 suit? I remember that back. I used to hear that all the time. Not in my church. I mean on, on TV and stuff. I kind of. Well, you would have had a problem with Jesus' robe. His robe was so tough. They gambled for it. Now you hear what I'm saying to you? But when you, when you have no power, your stick, 
Your stick is slander. And you got to spend all your time belittling other churches because you have nothing to offer yourself. Hallelujah. All right. The kingdom of God does not come by observation. They will not see, say, low here or low there. No, the kingdom of God is within you. And then the kingdom of God is not in word, but it's in power. So we have the power on the inside of us. Right now, right now, over every, all, over all power of the enemy. We have authority. Hallelujah. I'll get into that Wednesday night because I'm going to hit that word exus here. That, that, that authority, boy, it's serious. It's serious. Whew, my God. But we have authority, exousia, and dunamis, power, on the inside of us. Hallelujah. And we're going to exercise that in the name of Jesus. All right, right now, those of you that, that are in this room, you're not saved, you want to be saved, I ask you to come to this altar. Or if you're sick in your body, you need to be healed, I ask you to come to this altar. We're going to pray for you real quick. Hallelujah. Or any kind of other condition that's in your, in your life. You need to turn around, come to this altar real quick. We'll pray for you. We'll pray for you. Y'all didn't expect me to preach all this and then not, we're not just moving it, right? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Whatever it is, you're not saved. You're not well in your body. Something's wrong financially. Something's wrong. Now, you've heard the gospel preached to you if you're dealing with finances. Something's wrong in your, in your marriage or family. God is available right now. His power is available to heal you, touch you, deliver you. Hallelujah. I have proud ministers up here. They're going to pray for you, and I'm going to lay my hands on every one of you too. Just, just come up a little closer to the front. Everybody look closer to the front. Make room for everybody behind you real quick, please. Just take about two steps forward, everybody. Two steps forward, please. Come on, two steps forward, everybody. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Whoever you are, today is your day of healing and deliverance. Hallelujah. Grab my oil, please. Thank you, Jesus. Now, there are people praying for you right now. They're releasing the power. They're getting it ready. God's power is already flowing on you. These are power-filled people right now. I'm just going to come around and apply the final touch on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 